Big Rick Podcast. The best of the biggest interviews from Big Rick in the Morning on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See more info now at onairwithrick.com. Good morning, sir. How are you feeling? Very good. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show. Obviously, this is the first time we've since um, your coronavirus diagnosis. You went into self-quarantine for a while, and now you are uh, have been volunteering at uh, TriStar Hospital here in Bowling Green. Uh, t- talk about that journey the last three weeks or so and what your experience was like. Well, you know, mine turned out to be a very mild case of the coronavirus. We've discovered that quite a few people get it and have no symptoms. And it's it's bizarre when you think about it because, you know, we've all heard of and now I've seen personally people very, very sick from this. And, you know, people sometimes don't survive this. But then other people get it and never know they even had a flu. I never had a fever, never had a body ache, never had chills. Really, in the end, I never had uh, any symptoms at all, but I turned out to have it. Now, in the end, this is probably going to be good that a lot of people will have it without symptoms. One, because they don't get really sick, but two, but they'll add to the immunity that will develop, you know, within the community. Um, so I think particularly in New York, where they've had so much of this, there's going to be tens of thousands of people who end up getting immunity to this who really never knew they had the disease. But I recovered pretty well. And then for the last couple of weeks, I've been volunteering at Greenview uh, Hospital here in Bowling Green. And uh, have really enjoyed reconnecting with a lot of the physicians I know in the community, trying to help out where I can, give encouragement to patients who have this disease that there's a, you know, at least uh, a good chance for most of them to survive. And uh, it's also it's tough on these patients. A lot of people don't realize that if you get this and you're in the hospital, even your family can't come in. And so you're sort of uh, stuck in many ways. And some people, even if they're doing well with it, you know, or away from their family for a week or two in the hospital. And I think that's hard on people to be all by themselves. Well, we're glad that uh, you're recovered and feeling better and uh, putting your expertise to work here in the community. We really appreciate what you're doing there. Um, want to talk about your comments last week in regards to Governor Bashir and the license plate issue at churches. You, you had some strong comments about that. I, I just want to ask you maybe to follow up on that and how, how you're feeling about that. And, and did the governor reach out to you about this? You know, the thing is, is a lot of the guidances are uh, good advice, you know, and uh, personally, you know, my church here in town isn't meeting. So having uh, 500 people sitting close together in church is probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think it's a bad idea for the government to go to a church, take down license plates, and then basically put the people under house arrest. Uh, they didn't bother to go inside the church that was meeting to find out, well, maybe they're sitting six feet apart and there's only 20 people in the church. Yeah. So I think a one-size-fits-all is sort of a bad thing. I think that when government uh, leaders get power, it's sort of there's this impulse to authoritarianism, and I think Bashir loves having this power, the danger is when people have power and they love it, they don't want to give it up. And so I think all of us have to be vigilant of our liberties, particularly our religious liberties. And while I don't want anybody to, to get sick and I don't really want to advise people to go to meet with big groups, I think that's all good advice. I don't like the idea of sort of these people who become petty dictators uh, locking up people. One, they didn't even investigate whether these people weren't practicing social distancing or how many people were there. Yeah. We also had the mayor of Louisville wanting to arrest people for a drive-in service where you actually sit in your own car. 
Um, we've seen a Coast Guard cutter arrest a man for paddleboarding by himself. We've seen people arrested for jogging on the beach by themselves. So really, we have to worry about some people like power and they'll use it to bully people. And so that's why we always have to have rules on government, not to restrain the people, but to restrain government from beating up and bullying their own people. Yeah, I and there's a pending federal lawsuit, uh, I believe, up near Lexington or somewhere near there. Uh, some churchgoers are suing the state of Kentucky and the governor over this. Uh, do you think down the road, Senator, that we'll see some federal oversight or maybe even some legislation passed for this particular situation? God forbid it would ever happen again in America's history. You know, I think what we need to remember is that, you know, the Tenth Amendment says that the powers not given to the federal government are left to the states and the people, respectively. And I think the and the people gets left off a lot of times. They think, oh, the power's left to state governors. When in reality, the power is divided up. If that power wasn't given to the governor, it's to the people. So what's hard for people to understand is that I'm for most of the advice on trying to be careful with this, particularly with, you know, your parents and grandparents or anybody who's been sick to really stay separated. Um, Even young people can get sick, but it's particularly really deadly among those who have older and have other problems. So I am for the advice, but I think you can do that without sort of uh, putting people in jail or having, you know, Mm -hmm. home arrest and things like that. So I think there are ways of doing this that aren't quite as draconian. I think we need to look into that. There are ways to do this even privately. If tomorrow we said the restaurants could open in Bowling Green, my guess is there's going to be discussion between the waiters and waitresses and the establishment on what is safe. And my guess is if restaurants were allowed to open tomorrow, they would open probably with some precautions. I wouldn't force them to do it, but you know, people might be more inclined to go to a restaurant that says, you know what, we're going to limit our capacity to 20 or 30 percent uh, for a while as we get started. We're going to seat people separately. We've got some outdoor seating. We're going to you know, open that up as well. And so I think there are ways of doing this, but I think the mistake is thinking we're going to close the economy until there is no one sick and no one gets uh, seriously sick from this, because I think if you wait that long, we're going to destroy the country. So- and so I think it's very important that uh, we do get opened back up and we do it in a reasonable, responsible way, but we've got to get opened up. We can't just keep printing money and giving it to people. All the stimulus checks that went out were borrowed from China or printed up. Basically, just the Federal Reserve printed that up and gave it to people. And at first, that seems like, wow, this is great. We're just getting this money. But you have to realize by printing up money and by expanding the number of, of currency, what you do is you devalue the currency. So ultimately, the money will be worth less over time. And it also causes dislocations in the economy that lead to more uh, recessions in the future. I thought I saw something. Uh, I, I can't recall the source I saw it from, Senator, but I thought I saw something. We added another trillion dollars in debt just from the stimulus package, right? See, it's even more than that. We're, we're, before the stimulus, we were running an annual deficit of a trillion dollars. So we were spending a trillion dollars more than we have every year before the stimulus. We've added about $2 trillion, but there's also some other costs added in. I saw an estimate the other day of $3.6 trillion this year. Wow. Now they're talking about a couple hundred billion more. There are estimates that we're going to have $4 trillion deficit in one year. And I guess my point is, is that as a Republican, I ran for office saying I was against deficits. I don't think I can be for this massive deficit right now. I think if I want to help people, and I do want to help people, and if you want to show compassion, the best way to show compassion is we've got to get the economy opened back up. We've got to do it responsibly. 
but we got to get back to some sort of uh, normalcy. We cannot stay closed down and just keep printing up money. If that were true, then we might as well all vote for Bernie Sanders and socialism. But we used to think that that didn't work. And so we cannot keep on this same path. This same path is going to destroy the country, and it has to be a balance, but we have to figure out a way to go forward in a safe and responsible manner. Now, you just mentioned opening up the economy, uh, opening opening it up back up, basically, uh, and President Trump has put you on that task force to help start making that happen. Do you have any uh, initial details on how this is going to roll out and, and how it's going to be implemented? Well, you know, he put forward some different guidelines, and interestingly, his are guidelines. Governors have to agree to them, and people have to agree to them. So, But we have to have voices of reason starting to talk about this. And my advice to everyone is I don't have all the answers. I'm not going to tell you what to do, or I'm going to tell you this is absolutely the way to go. What I will say is one size does not fit all. So the quarantine for, for New York City is going to have to continue for a while. They're, they've got a devastating real pandemic up there. For much of the rest of the country, it's a problem, but it's not nearly so widespread. So I would say the rules for Bowling Green would be different than the rules for New York City. And the rules for a small community in for a small community in North Dakota might be different than uh, Bowling Green. What's, uh, what, what do you think we should do here in Kentucky? I think even within Kentucky, one size fits all uh, doesn't work. And so if we have a bunch of cases in Louisville, we should be more careful in Louisville. If we have a bunch of cases in Morgantown, a small community, we have to work very hard to contain that. And so what I would suggest is if a nursing home or a meatpacking factory or a chicken factory or any of these places gets a bunch of people ill, we should then test everybody at the plant, and then we should test all of their families. So we do need more testing. And in the past, what was happening is if your wife or spouse was sick, and then you went to get tested, they're saying, oh, you have no symptoms, we're not testing you. Well, that's the opposite of what we should be doing. We should not test the whole population. We could if we had enough tests, but I don't think we're going to ever have that many tests. But what we should do is test everybody around a person who is sick, and then we can see if you're asymptomatic, you need to you know, be away from people for a while, too, particularly your elderly parents or grandparents. So ultimately, we do need more testing, but we need to take a different approach. We need to really go heavily after any kind of either a workplace or a nursing home or a place that has a bunch of people that got sick. We need to test all of their contacts and then and do a targeted fashion but if nobody's sick in Tompkinsville, I think we should loosen up the restrictions. That would be for church, restaurants, and everything. And you might still have some rules in place or suggestions in place not to have big meetings. Like, let's say you have a church and you have normally you have two services of 100 people. Could you not have some outside and maybe do four services of 50 people? You know, there are a lot of ways that we could get around. But to me, these would all be suggestions. This wouldn't be me telling you something. It shouldn't be Governor Bashir saying he's going to put you under house arrest. So really, Governor Bashir needs to take a step back, and he needs to understand that we live in a free society, and he's not dictator. And while we all want the best benefit, um, we should persuade people to do the right thing. And I think most people will do the right thing with, with persuasion. But um, I worry very much about having policemen in the parking lots of our churches. So what do you think about reopening schools in the year of 2020? Do you think that's going to happen? Uh, I think it should. Absolutely, we should open the schools. Um, Sweden has taken the approach of never closing their uh, elementary and uh, junior highs. And the reason they did this is they said it's, uh, for the most part, 
a lot less serious in kids that will spread uh, immunity for the community and the kids will actually help spread it. And then what they've done is they've said, if you're older or have any other diseases, you need to stay back away from the kids. You need to stay back away from everybody. And sort of the quarantine, but once again, it gets back to this concept of one size doesn't fit all. So if you are 85 years old or 82 years old, I would work really, really hard. And it's sad, but I'd stay away from your grandkids and your kids. I would really try hard to seclude yourself. Um, but, you know, for example, we have a lot of these, uh, I think, proud, brave, and courageous workers who are in our grocery stores, and thank God they are doing that work or we wouldn't eat, you know, and uh, they're mostly young. Most of them, if they do get the disease, are going to do well, um, but they're also doing it voluntarily. Nobody's forcing them to work. We, we have to do it voluntarily, and if it means the wages have to rise, it could be that, you know, if you're one of those ones who's willing to be a waiter or a waitress, Maybe when you go back, the marketplace will actually pay you more because um, there are people still worried about getting the disease. So President Trump raised some eyebrows, Senator, over the last, uh, I think it was this week or maybe the prior week. I can't. No remember. way. Yeah. President Trump raised eyebrows. <laughs> That's a first. Uh, but he talked about the total authority over states. Now, I think this is just my opinion. I don't know the president personally, but I think he does something that I do. And sometimes I have a thought on my mind, but it comes out of my mouth wrong. Um, he talked about having total authority over the states, and uh, you came out and refuted that. Just talk about that a little bit in your response. We came out and said what I said previously about the Tenth Amendment, that uh, really the president has powers that are granted to him by the Constitution, and he does not have uh, powers that have no limit. So we very much, when we had our revolution, we wanted to limit the powers of the executive and so when we had a, a president that we put in charge, we limited his powers, we limited the powers of Congress, and the powers that are not given to Congress or to the president are left to the states and the people. Um, I think if we'd have put the discussion that way, he would have probably um, not made the argument. I think he was probably making a more narrow argument with regard to public health or contagion. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is, look, I'm a big supporter of President Trump. I've campaigned for him. I'm going to continue to campaign for him. I'm supporting him for president. Um, I talked to him just the other day. We have a good relationship. But he's a big boy. He's, uh, he's uh, not a guy who ever complains to me about uh, taking a policy difference. You know, I'm going to probably vote against you know, borrowing more money from China just because I'm a conservative. But at the same time, it really has never been a problem between he and I because I think he is so much better and really has the best instincts and the best, um, he really wishes the best for the country. And, you know, I think if we had uh, Biden in, we'd never come out of this. I think Biden would be hiding in a foxhole, some, some basement somewhere, never come out and never let the economy recover. He's already criticizing President Trump for trying to let us come out of this. Um, and it's a tough decision. The president said publicly and he said privately to me as well. It's a very, very difficult decision because people who are blamers, the haters and everything else, are going to blame anybody who wants the economy to open up. You know, if someone gets sick and dies, they're going to say, oh, it's your fault. And they're not being realistic because, you know, as a physician, I, you know, in the hospital, Every day, people, people do. I mean, it's a process of life. People come into the world, and it's joyful to see the babies born, and it's sad to see our, our loved ones die. But it is this cycle of life. It's going to continue. But if we blame our politicians for those among us who die, I mean, what a terrible world that's going to be. Or if we blame somebody and say, oh, 
you had a cold and now I got it and, you know, I've got this terrible flu and it's all your fault. We can't go around blaming people for things that are natural. It's sort of like blaming people for floods or tornadoes. Those aren't someone's fault. Same with the virus. We try to control it, but look, New York did everything draconian you can imagine to stop people from being in contact. They shut the whole city of New York City down, and yet the thing's still running like wildfire through there. There's only so much we can do. I had uh, Newt Gingrich on the show earlier this week, and he mentioned that they think that uh, intelligence suggests that they think that this started at a laboratory in Wuhan. And, of course, the it's very well known now that the Chinese covered this up. Do you have any more information that you can share with us on that? I I tend to agree with the president that we give so much money to these international organizations like the World Health Organization that – if they're withholding information or if they're playing footsies with the Chinese and not mm-hmm. uh, being forthcoming, and if that cost us six or seven days in the beginning, at the very least, there needs to be an investigation. And so the best way to get an investigation is to withhold your money. And so I'm kind of with the president. They need to either acknowledge they made a mistake, change leadership, or have an investigation at the very least, because I'm concerned that there was uh, some problem. I don't think the Chinese actually did this intentionally. I think it was an accidental exposure. But if they're dealing with really, really scary um, viruses that could cause a pandemic, mm-hmm. for goodness sakes, if they want to do business with us, they're going to have to do something about making sure they don't have it. But I do think it probably was an accidental release. I don't think it was a purposeful one, nor do I think it was designed to be a weapon. I think what happened is somebody worked at the lab uh, took it out with him by not being careful. Then his wife got sick, and it was near the wet markets, but probably didn't uh, really come from the wet market. Probably came from the lab. I think maybe we don't know that for certain, but there's a lot of evidence pointing in that direction. Um, but I, I'm not one who's saying that the Chinese did it maliciously because it's not the kind of thing you develop for a weapon because in, initially an enormous amount of Chinese got sick. So usually you would develop a weapon that you can control and you put it somewhere else. And I also don't think, while China is an adversary, I don't think they see us as somebody they want to have war with, or we see them as someone we want to have war with. We're an adversary with different positions. They don't play fair. We want them to play more fair. They don't impute to them sort of that they're Satan or that they're somehow this uh, evil empire that's trying to conquer us. I think it's a lot more complicated than that. And in some ways, they, you know, um, you know, we're going to have to push back, but I don't think we push back such that we say, oh, we're never going to have any trade with China again. Get Senator Rand Paul on the hotline. Hey, before we go, uh, besides working from self-quarantine, how did you pass the time? Well, I was lucky to be at home, and uh, I was in my basement. If you saw me on television recently. They fed me, but they wouldn't send me a razor down, so I have my coronavirus beard. Um, I read books. I, uh, you know, exercised. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have a nice backyard, so I was able to be outside some by myself. And that's the thing that people have to have some reasonableness about everything is that outside by yourself, you're not really a danger to others. And we need to not be going crazy. Uh, You know, I've seen just all of these things where people are going nuts, not about people who are even sick, but people who are not sick trying to exercise by themselves. And if we're going to stop people from jogging by themselves or jogging with one other person, my goodness, we're giving up uh, more freedom than I care to give up. I want people to be safe. I'm for a lot of the restrictions. I think they should be voluntary, and I think we should persuade people that they're the best thing to do. 
But, you know, if if uh, a very small church wants to sit outside in lawn chairs, for goodness sakes, the government shouldn't arrest them. What kind of world is it that we let the government put you under house arrest? That's what he's talking about, giving them tickets. They're going to show up at your house. We're going to look up your address. We're coming to your house, and we're going to arrest you, basically, and not let you leave your house. Um and that's also without even investigating whether the people in the church were sitting close to each other or how many people were there. It's just this sort of authoritarianism, this impulse to authoritarianism that I worry very much about in this governor. It's a very scary prospect. Uh, I had to ask you before you go, are you going to keep that beard or are you going to shave it off eventually? You know, my wife has, uh, I think there are two votes in our family, and she has both votes, so we're going to have to see how, how, how that works out. But, uh, you know, for now, it's it's uh, my new uh, rugged coronavirus beard, and we're going to see where it goes. But thanks for having me, Big Rick. We'll do it again soon. All right. Thank you, Senator Paul. God bless. Take care. Stay healthy. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Big Rick Podcast. Remember to subscribe on iHeartRadio, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or anywhere podcasts are heard. See exclusive video interviews and content now with the Big Rick in the Morning YouTube channel. Subscribe now at onairwithrick.com.